welcome everyone to Understanding the I Am That Is You podcast. Yay! Hey everybody, it's your girl Wynn Ruffin, and I pray all is well with everyone, and your hearts and minds are full of love, joy, and compassion for yourselves and everyone else all over the world. And if due to the dark and negative conditions in the world today, some of us find that hard, let us contemplate the hardships that Jesus the Christ faced, but still, he loves us all. And that same spirit of love that he has within himself for everyone else, we also have, each and every one, because it is the spirit of the living God that dwells within us, our mighty I Am Presence. So, let us all strive to keep our hearts and minds filled with those higher qualities of love, joy, and compassion. Because those qualities in high concentration is indeed our power. Amen. Give thanks and praises for love and light. And y'all be loved. On the first day of the week, very early in the morning, the women took the spices they had prepared and went to the tomb. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb, but when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were wondering about this, suddenly two men in clothes that gleamed like lightning stood beside them. In their fright the women bowed down with their faces to the ground, but the men said to them, Why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here, he has risen. Remember how he told you, while he was still with you in Galilee, the Son of Man must be delivered over to the hands of sinners, be crucified and on the third day be raised again. Then they remembered his words. When they came back from the tomb, they told all these things to the eleven and to all the others. It was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary the mother of James, and the others with them who told this to the apostles. But they did not believe the women, because their words seemed to them like nonsense. Peter, however, got up and ran to the tomb. Bending over, he saw the strips of linen lying by themselves, and he went away, wondering to himself what had happened. Now that same day two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were talking with each other about everything that had happened. As they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them, but they were kept from recognizing him. He asked them, What are you discussing together as you walk along? They stood still, their faces downcast. One of them, named Cleopas, asked him, Are you the only one visiting Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened there in these days? What things? He asked. About Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. He was a prophet, powerful in word and deed before God and all the people. The chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death, and they crucified him, but we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. And what is more, it is the third day since all this took place. In addition, some of our women amazed us. They went to the tomb early this morning but didn't find his body. They came and told us that they had seen a vision of angels, who said he was alive. Then some of our companions went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but they did not see Jesus. He said to them, How foolish you are, 
and how slow to believe of all that the prophets have spoken. Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. As they approached the village to which they were going, Jesus continued on as if he were going farther. But they urged him strongly, Stay with us, for it is nearly evening, the day is almost over. So he went in to stay with them. When he was at the table with them, he took bread, gave thanks, broke it and began to give it to them. Then their eyes were opened and they recognized him, and he disappeared from their sight. They asked each other, Were not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? They got up and returned at once to Jerusalem. There they found the eleven and those with them, assembled together and saying, It is true. The Lord has risen and has appeared to Simon. Then the two told what had happened on the way, and how Jesus was recognized by them when he broke the bread. While they were still talking about this, Jesus himself stood among them and said to them, Peace be with you. They were startled and frightened, thinking they saw a ghost. He said to them, Why are you troubled, and why do doubts rise in your minds? Look at my hands and my feet. It is I myself. Touch me and see, a ghost does not have flesh and bones, as you see I have. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and feet. And while they still did not believe it because of joy and amazement, he asked them, Do you have anything here to eat? They gave him a piece of broiled fish, and he took it and ate it in their presence. He said to them, This is what I told you while I was still with you, everything must be fulfilled that is written about me in the Law of Moses, the Prophets and the Psalms. Then he opened their minds so they could understand the scriptures. He told them, This is what is written, The Messiah will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day, and repentance for the forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. I am going to send you what my Father has promised, but stay in the city until you have been clothed with power from on high. When he had led them out to the vicinity of Bethany, he lifted up his hands and blessed them. While he was blessing them, he left them and was taken up into heaven. Then they worshipped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy. And they stayed continually at the temple, praising God. Luke 24 Isis and Bill, Chapter 15 February 7, 1877, continued. The hour was now late, and the company broke up, nor had I any time to interrogate Dr. X, upon what we had thus witnessed. But I called on him with Mr. Gledstains a few evenings afterwards. I found that he admitted the action of spirits, and was a spiritualist, but also a great deal more, having studied long and deeply into the occult mysteries of the Orient. So I understood him to convey, while he seemed to prefer to refer me to his book, which he would probably publish in the course of the present year. I observed a number of loose sheets on a table all covered with oriental characters unknown to me, the work of Madame Y in trance, as he said, in answer to an inquiry. He told us that in the scene I had witnessed, she became, i.e., as I presumed, was possessed by, a priestess of one of the ancient Egyptian temples, and that the origin of it was this, a scientific friend of his had acquired in Egypt possession of the mummy of a priestess, and had given him some of the line swathings with which the body was enveloped, and from the contact with this cloth of 2,000 or 3,000 years old, 
the devotion of her whole existence to this occult relation, and 20 years seclusion from the world, his medium, a sensitive Madame Y, had become what I had seen. The language I had heard her speak was the sacred language of the temples in which she had been instructed, not so much by inspiration but very much as we now study languages, by dictation, written exercises, etc., being even chided and punished when she was dull or slow. He said that Jacolio had heard her in a similar scene, and recognized sounds and words of the very oldest sacred language as preserved in the temples of India interior, if I remember right, to the epic of the Sanskrit. Respecting the snakes he had employed in the hasty operation of restoring her to life, or rather perhaps arresting the last consummation of the process of death, he said there was a strange mystery in their relation to the phenomena of life and death. I understood that they were indispensable. Silence and inaction on our part were also insisted upon throughout, and any attempt at questioning him at the time was peremptorily, almost angrily, suppressed. We might come and talk afterward, or wait for the appearance of his book, but he alone seemed entitled to exercise the faculty of speech throughout all these performances, which he certainly did with great volubility, the while, with all the eloquence and precision of diction of a Frenchman, combining scientific culture with vividness of imagination. I intended to return on some subsequent evening, but learned from Mr. Gladstones that he had given them up for the present, disgusted with his ill success in getting his professional colleagues and men of science to come and witness what it was his object to show them. This is about as much as I can recall of this strange, weird evening, excepting some uninteresting details. I have given you the name and address of Dr. X confidentially, because he would seem to have gone more or less far on the same path as you pursue, in the studies of your Theosophical Society. Beyond that I feel bound to keep it private, not having his authority to use it in any way which might lead to publicity. Very respectfully, your friend and obedient servant, J. L. O'Sullivan. In this interesting case, simple spiritualism has transcended its routine and encroached upon the limits of magic. The features of mediumship are there, in the double life led by the sensitive Madame Y in which she passes an existence totally distinct from the normal one, and by reason of the subordination of her individuality to a foreign will, becomes the permutation of a priestess of Egypt, and in the personation of the spirit of Beethoven, and in the unconsciousness and cataleptic state into which she falls. On the other hand, the willpower exercised by Dr. X, upon his sensitive, the tracing of the mystic circle, the evocations, the materialization of the desired flower, the seclusion and education of Madame Y, the employment of the wand in its form, the creation and use of the serpents, the evident control of the astral forces, all these pertain to magic. Such experiments are of interest and value to science, but liable to abuse in the hands of a less conscientious practitioner than the eminent gentleman designated as Dr. X. A true Oriental Kabbalist would not recommend their duplication. H.P. Blavatsky The I Am Discourses Volume 15 Dear Hearts of the Light, in just a few words, I want to add my love and blessing and gratitude to you all for all that has been accomplished during this conclave, and all that is yet to be done through that which you will carry back with you to expand its service among whom you move. Great has been the accomplishment here, and may you go on each day strengthened beyond your fondest dreams in your use of this cosmic Christ fire, 
and know that it is the most imperative thing required in your nation tonight, our nation, God's nation. Only that sacred fire whose love throughout creation is the law of life's perfection can be brought into our conditions. Only that love and that sacred fire can remove those things that seek to torture you and the loved ones within the land. Tonight, charge forth and see the United States of America blazing immortal victory of this cosmic Christ fire. See the atmosphere over the nation blazing that violet consuming flame with such pressure that it holds absolutely motionless everything that is destructive, and enables the constructive activities and individuals to go forward into conditions, and hold the balance of all that is required to shut off that which seeks to destroy you. Great has been the outpouring day after day since the 1st of last January. And we must continue it, and the more you can remember to call forth the immortal victory of this cosmic Christ fire that consumes everything that distresses you, will you feel your greater freedom hourly almost, from that which heretofore has been your struggle. If problems appear, distress seems to approach, keep calling this into outer action, and demand that your world from tonight is the immortal victory of such cosmic Christ fire as shall hold the Christ victorious over everything on this earth, because it must be so. Beloved Godfrey, Take your stand and demand immortal victory of the cosmic Christ to blaze its cosmic fire and consume, consume, consume forever, all that has cast a shadow upon life. And we shall be with you. We shall be back of you. We shall go before you with this flame, and do everything possible as you give us a certain amount of your energy through these calls. If you'll give us third of the energy, we will supply the other two-thirds. And may I say that as you demand the immortal victory of the fiery love of the cosmic Christ, it will be easier to overcome the world's hate, as you demand this fire in and around you and going before you to remove that which is the limitation that heretofore you have accepted. The law of cosmic Christ love must be the law of the earth. And it has to become the law of you in your manifestations before the people in the outer world will use it enough to set themselves free. Just know from tonight that you go forth the cosmic law of cosmic Christ fire. And the cosmic laws demand for its love to be the law of control, wherever you go, moves into outer conditions these activities of the sacred fire that move forward and simply take possession and hold command. We will be with you and strengthen everything within you to help you pour forth the love and the kindness that will hold the protection about you. And the more you pour it forth, the less will you feel exhaustion or distress or strain in the body. There is nothing brings such relaxation, as the immortal victory of cosmic Christ's fiery love that is in command of all physical action. So go forward with happy hearts, knowing you are held within the immortal protection of this cosmic Christ fire wherever you call it forth. Know and call it forth with every ounce of your strength in everything you do. Just flash it forth, and then go on your way. Flash it forth again, and just demand that its immortal victory come now into you and your conditions. Its immortal victory, which is immortal love, protects and controls your loved ones. Its immortal victory, which is immortal power, charges into you and around you until the very radiation brings strength to those who are trying to hold to the constructive way of life. Demand the government of cosmic Christ fire, and its immortal victorious freedom, giving the people the love that sets them free. The land must be governed by that love of the sacred fire which is the directing intelligence and purity that holds balance, until all can make conscious effort towards the constructive way of life. Beloved Godfrey. Mm -hmm.